You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and its select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Monster Talk is supported by listeners like you. Find out how you can contribute via Patreon or with reviews at monstertalk.org forward slash support. Your contributions, large or small, make a huge difference. Thanks. When I was growing up, my best friend was a kid named Mike. His aunt and uncle lived next door to me. Mike's parents worked a lot, and his aunt used to watch him, and he and I would get together and play a lot. His family was like my family, and he was like the brother I never had. Of course, as people grow up, they often drift apart and fall out of touch. But Mike and I never did. He's still like a brother to me. And his mother was like a second mother to me. Her name was Annette, and she was always there for me, as was Mike. Mike's dad was interested in computers and ham radio, and my very first computer was a Commodore VIC-20 that Mike and his dad were done with since they had upgraded to a Commodore 64. When Epcot opened in Orlando, Mike's mom took us together and helped cover the cost because my family couldn't really afford it. And she also took me and Mike to Gatlinburg, Tennessee during the summer and to Florida, and in general treated me like a second son. She indulged Mike's interest in the macabre and thereby also indulged my interests. She supported Mike and me as we went into the debate team together and were in band together through high school. And Mike and I would have all-night computer gaming sessions and Ed would get us pizza and she never made us go to sleep early. Instead, she would make sure we were able to get the latest VHS horror rentals and helped us get tickets for movies in the theater and made sure we were able to get to places when we couldn't drive ourselves. She was a band mom, and she went to football games with us and took us out to dinner after the games, keeping an eye on us and made sure we stay out of trouble. She kept us entertained. She kept us educated. Mike was a late sleeper, whereas I tended to get up early even if I'd stayed up late through the night before. And uh, Annette often would buy gourmet coffee, and she and I would get up in the morning and sit in the kitchen and drink coffee and talk about various nonsense and gossip and all kinds of things while Mike was still sleeping, and we wait for him to wake up. And when uh, I got old enough to go to prom, Mike's dad was the chauffeur, and he took us out to dinner. And then after the prom was over, Annette drove me and my date home, effectively making my prom night safe, memorable, and possible. When I finished boot camp for the Navy, Annette was the only person who came to see me pass in review. It's not that my parents didn't care, but they couldn't really afford to make the trip down to Florida but Annette wouldn't have missed it for the world. I'd love to say that Mike's family is like my own family, but that's not even really true. Mike's family is my family. 
Mike's closer than a brother to me. I could go on recounting stories of how he and I used to do various things together, how his family helped me through trying times in my own life, how they celebrated achievements in my life, and how they helped me welcome new members into my own family. Mike was the best man at my wedding. My son is named after him. You get the idea. I just got back from CryptidCon in Kentucky, and I was really excited to talk with Mike about how things went, because he knew I'd been working on some experiments. So when the phone rang yesterday morning, I was expecting to tell him good news about my fun trip, but instead, he told me his own devastating news. So, I decided to dedicate this episode of Monster Talk to my second mom, to Annette Harris, who always believed in me even when I didn't believe in myself. She lived a good life, but she made many other people's lives even better, especially my own. I can't thank her enough for her support, but I hope that in some small way, I'm able to follow the example that she set for me. She's gone now, but her influence lives on, and if you enjoy Monster Talk, at least some of that is because of her. Thank you, Annette. You made my world a better place, and I hope I'm doing something like that for others. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Monster Talk. Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. What follows today is a kind of a mini roundtable with the Monster Talk alumni Jeb Card, who's the author of Spooky Archaeology. Uh, together, we met at Crypticon 2018. We just came off of that this weekend. This is a two-part discussion, but both parts are joined together in the middle. Part one was recorded on day one before I gave my talk about my continuing research into the Kentucky Goblins case of Kelly Hopkinsville. And part two was on day two, about halfway through the day, talking about the things we had seen and our experiences at the convention. On day two, we struggled to find a quiet place to talk, so we ended up in a relatively quiet area near an elevator bank, but you do hear the elevator ringing as it goes to various floors, so apologies for that noise. But in general, this was a terrifically fun event. It was a very satisfying convention, and Monster Talk was very well received. It turned out that many people there listened to the show, and that includes vendors and other CryptidCon guests. It was delightful, and I plan to get several interviews out of this from the people that I met this year. Um, And... The last bit that I need to mention is that I plan to turn my presentation from Crypticon into a a video and post that into the show notes, and I plan to write up my findings, which we'll discuss a little bit, for print publication. Neither of those things are going to be done because of the circumstances I mentioned before. Uh, This has complicated my week, to say the least. I'm sad, but I am, again, just delighted to have known Annette Harris and have her in my life. And I'm still glad to call her son my very best friend in the world. Monster Talk. Yeah, welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. <laughs> so here we are. Uh, this is our second second CryptidCon. 
We are in Frankfort, Kentucky, and by we, we of course mean the host of the show. Hi, uh, I'm Blake Smith. And the uh, guest on the show, uh, Jeb Card. Nice to meet you all again. Yeah. So, Jeb, uh, I saw already several people have had your book Mm -hmm. and brought it up for signatures. That was really nice. Uh, The fact that they all came to your talk on the Kelly Hopkinsville Goblins was really nice. Thank you for attending and thank you for your contributions. It went really well. I guess they wouldn't allow you to, to bring the shotgun, but... No, no, no. But, yeah, I did reveal uh, the uh, experiment that I, uh, I alluded to in our previous coverage, but have never actually talked yeah. about on the show. So, basically, you took uh, a... Um, let me ask you this. Now, we saw downstairs, uh, what was it, a room with footprints and some other things, but how many papers here do you think are experimental slash analytical? Um, so far, none that I've seen except my. I mean, well, there's yeah. some that are analytical, but yeah, yeah, Blake shows up and he's like, "Turns out, I decided to experiment with um, shooting a bit of window screen yeah. with a twenty, a twenty-two, a twenty-gauge shotgun and a twenty-two pistol, which were the firearms used by the Sutton family in the Kelly Hopkinsville Goblin incident in 1955." Which was a fun experiment. Absolutely. Yeah. And and the video was nifty. And I'll be able to post that uh, on... Yeah. Uh, I guess I could post it in the show notes, but I'll also post it on the Facebook group because that's a little easier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure how we do it at Video Embed. But, and, and I think that, yeah. that I think that, that was I think that that was a really good idea. I think a lot of people um, reacted well to the fact that you were testing this. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, and that it had guns in it. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's we're in Kentucky. The story takes place in Kentucky. Yeah. It's Story has guns. I had guns. It was, yeah, so it's everything you need. <laughs> but no, we are on day one of CryptidCon, and we're about uh, a little more than halfway through. It's a little after lunch. Yeah. And um, we've seen some talks. Um, Bob Gimlin, apparently, who was slated to attend, is, is not here. As elusive as Bigfoot himself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Bob Gilman was elusive for a lo- very long time. Yeah. He's not a big part of the Bigfoot community. Um, the con seems to be bigger, seems to be more people, more vendors, definitely more vendors. Oh, yeah. The, the, yeah. And a lot, it's a lot of repeats, but some new people. Yeah. People yep. who were not here, who were, who were not right. who were here last time, not here. Bought some things, saw some talks, uh, saw. Who did we go to? We, we were briefly in David Politis's. Right. Um, that's a, a missing missing four one one. Missing four one one. Yeah, I always want to call it missing nine one one. Yeah, right. so. and which is four one one still a thing? Yeah, it is. I if you no don't have a computer, I guess. So I, I think I think you just I've never question. called it on my mobile, but I, back in the day, yeah. It's, but it's mm-hmm. for our non-American listeners, that is the information number that you would call for. See, funny. I never I never had that as a yeah. kid. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm sure we did. Just never. It, yeah, you had a phone book, right? Yeah. So, and for our listeners uh, from uh, this this century, a phone book was like a big piece of paper. <laughs> they still send them. They're usually soggy. Mine always show up on rain days. Yeah. But uh, so we saw David Politis for a bit. I saw Travis Walton downstairs. I did too. Yeah. yeah. I saw him one. I saw him walking around with his entourage, and then I also saw him in the merch room uh, with books and whatnot. Yeah. I talked talk briefly with Cliff. Uh, Cliff Brockman. Yeah. And he is. Uh, we're, he's still supposed to be on in a future episode. I'm trying to work that out. Uh, we're going to do like a panel if everything goes well with Todd Disotel. Uh, Cliff knows a lot about hominids uh, more than me, probably. Uh, and so I wanted to make sure that uh, there was someone with the relative expertise to discuss that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So we'll see how that goes. 
And we met, again, fans of the show, people who had, had purchased my book, which was really nice. Uh, and we ran into people that knew about the Love Pass. Yep. And we ran into people that told us about Bigfoot throwing a rock at them. Yep. Uh, yep. A very large rock. We got some personal testimony. Yeah. And as I've mentioned before, this is not my first time to hear people tell about their personal Bigfoot experiences. But once again, I am reminded of how similar it is to uh, people's religious experiences. Uh, it, it, it was it was very much uh, like receiving a personal testimony about something very special that happened in their life. Yeah. Only instead of angels, uh, it was Bigfoot. Which, yeah. uh, depending on which DNA report you listen to, are the same thing. Well played. <laughs> with a little lemur. With a little lemur in there. But, uh, but enough about that. Uh, and we're looking forward to seeing a number of, of speakers, some of which uh, I've seen some of them before, but some I definitely haven't. So yeah, so no, we're, we're here, and, and Blake spoke this morning, and I somehow ended up with a spangly uh, armband, and they've got they've got lanyards this year, uh, which is nice. I don't know if they had them last year. They, they did. Well, the, the speakers definitely got lanyards. Oh. I don't think so. I think last year it was just paper uh, wristbands. Well, I think a lot of people have them. I think it's the VIP thing. Yeah. Like if you like buy the legendary pass or something. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, but no, it, it seems pretty well organized, um, and it does. It's going smoothly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll see where things. It go. is still. It's still a small convention, and I like that because uh, there's literally nobody that's aloof or distant. I mean, you can go up and talk to anybody. It seems like. Well, there's me. Well, I, I, yeah, that taciturn's different from yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no. Uh, looking at a pile of merch that, that I've purchased and. Um, I uh, got myself a crocheted Cthulhu last night. That was fun. Completely unrelated. Not completely. Mostly unrelated. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're enjoying uh, kind of meeting the people. And uh, the cryptid theme drink this this year, better than last year. Yeah. It, it green didn't look monstrosity like... from last yeah, year. Yeah. Last year's was... They've got a, a completely cryptid themed uh, food menu as well. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of fun. Any uh, anything else? I mean, I don't want to say so. What we're looking forward to going to see because we, we may uh, we may check in on that. Yeah, we'll but, see how that goes. I mean, the, with the schedule, there is uh, basically there's two tracks. They're not themed in any ways. There's, I mean, everything's monster related, yeah. but but each each segment you have to pick between it's basically two rooms at a time. Right, two rooms at a time. Yeah, exactly. And so, for example, while Blake was discussing the Kelly Hopkins Hill Goblins and his research into this. There was a town hall, I imagine, basically on the on the the model of the Finding, Finding Bigfoot, Bigfoot show. Yeah, yeah. Um, which still the impact here, you can still see it. Like uh, you can still see. I mean, obviously Brockman's here, Bobo's here, yep. and the, it, I think there's some ghost hunters here. It's something. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Nick Groff is Nick Groff. I think he runs this. I think it's his parent company. Oh, okay. And uh, he, of course, was on Ghost Adventures. Right. Um, uh, and there's other aspects of that here. Uh, there are a number of talks which don't normally, um, I don't think would normally you would imagine are cryptid per se. Not to say there's any, I don't know, unified field theory of the paranormal that unites <laughs> these things that one might call the puff. But um, there is a touch. Uh, so we've got, for example, um, there would be hunted by Bigfoot, South African cryptids, the one I think we are looking forward to seeing is going to be the screening of The Beast of Bray Road, yes. filmed by Seth Breedlove and Linda Godfrey, which is all dogmen, dogmen, dogmen. Um, but, for example, tomorrow there is a talk on the manifestations of the fairy realm. 
which is awesome. What time is that? That is uh, noon. Sweet. I and should then be... followed by that, Travis Walton, alien abductee. Yeah. So there's a bit of a... Fire in the sky. And there still is a Finding Bigfoot Q&A tomorrow. Wow. So that's what I'm saying. Like the footprint, so to speak, is still... I see how I do that. You yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Um, is, is still very much pronounced, even though that show is, is now off the air, at least uh, as new episodes. Yeah. But there's still an impact, and you can see the tracks reflect that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, oh, and tomorrow, one that I definitely think we should try to maybe see if possible, um, Robert Murch, I talked to him today, Rules of the Board. He is a historian and runs a historical society all about Ouija boards, talking boards. and uh, Ouija boards. They are, he is a, I have heard previous interviews with him, and fantastic amount of fascinating historical information. Cool. So, um, uh, or as we like to say, the idiomotor effect. Well, but, no, but, no, no, but that's different from the history of the board. Right, right? that's yeah, the thing. So, that, that, yeah. and that's that's the thing. It's like he talks about that, but he really takes you through them as a social artifact, as a cultural phenomenon. Right, which, which has, has very much changed, and it does, in fact, reflect. Um, I would say particularly American, and I would say American commercial. Interaction with supernatural themes over 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 a hundred years, not so just over. I don't want years. since we have a panel to go to in just yes. a few minutes. I don't want to like open up a giant can mm-hmm. of, of, of of topic here, but ahead. it's fascinating to me because this actually comports nicely with the research I'm doing about technology. Sure, the technology evolves even if the underlying mechanism is made of nonsense. Well, I mean, no, I mean, so think about it for a minute, though. I mean, like the original. Things were like yes or no, like you know, and as that as the complexity of what was capable. Well, okay, you're shaking your head. No, so, you, so no, so so the, the so the Ouija board, which of course is we and ya, yeah, in, yeah, in, in French and German, uh, both yes, it came from two different two different products. One was the talking board, which was the idea of just the board, right? One has was, one had words, right? The, uh, I think the original it, it could have words, yeah. it could have letters. And that's also related to the concept of automatic writing. Right. The other one that's even more like automatic writing was the planchette. The planchette initially was just used on its own to do automatic yes, writing. Yes, exactly. The right. Ouija board stuck them together. Yeah. So in a sense, the Ouija board almost constrained the options more than opened them up. So instead of like you having to come up with automatic writing and like there being no things, I would argue that it adds a sort of a constraint like, oh, well, there's 26 letters in front of me and I don't have to like, you know. Oh, I, well, I see what you're saying about constraint, but yeah. I would say it was an improved user interface. I would say it was a yeah. simpler, yeah. Was, I think it was, I would say it's a, it, it was a more end user friendly interface. Yeah. And it gave it more definition. So I see the constraint. Yes. So it gave it more uh, definitiveness, um, which enables... Regardless of what the sourcing is, it enables better communication. Like yeah. I think it enables yeah. more people to use it. Yeah, yeah. Like I think I think the think about um, a blank piece of paper. How overwhelmingly potentially um, intimidating that is. Some people find it crippling. Yes. <laughs> whereas whereas a uh, a keyboard. Well, even a leading sentence. I mean, if you yeah. get a, a, a just an opening sentence, yeah. sometimes will unlock things. There's yeah. something there yeah. to engage with. Yeah. And I think that's what the Ouija board does, whereas the planchette did not. I think that's why it took off so much. And then for decades, it was just a toy. It was just a it was a parlor game. And then in the 1970s, when you began to have some significant changes in the American experience of the cultic milieu, you had it become this 
bastion of evil well, on a very commercial Can't we level. trace that straight to The Exorcist? I think you can. Yeah, so. I suspect, though, if you didn't, it would have happened anyway, because you see this turn to the, who's talking demons before 1970? No one is talking demons in mass media, yeah. in mass culture, perhaps in, in, in folk culture, but not in mass culture. That's interesting, uh, because my understanding was that as a, as you've said, parlor game, I mean, we can say parlor game, but the significance of a parlor game in a time before radio and television might be misunderstood. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it would be the centerpiece. Yeah, it would be a big and deal. the idea yeah. that you were talking the spirits was there, but I don't think it was taken, and Murchie talks about this, it was not taken terribly seriously. It wasn't anything that you would be actually really concerned yeah. about your spiritual well-being, which, of course, now has become almost this... Um, this statement of identity that that if you're into the paranormal, but you're no, I it, blah, I hear blah, I hear you're, it all the time. You're like, oh my god, never touch those. Yes, literally, right. right. It, it goes from the hey, it's made by a toy company, and the other extreme is uh, no, it, it just messing with it unlocks your life to demonic uh, influence, if not possession. Right. Somewhere in between there, yeah. <laughs> it's probably where most people are. You know, maybe a little scared of it, uh, but also amused, and it's the uh, to me, it's a more uh, uh, a more well defined version of uh, Bloody Mary or some of the sort of uh, rites of passage teenagers do over at sleepovers, you know that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, and the thing yeah. is, is, yeah. is that it's, it has agency and its materiality. I mean, you, it sits there, uh, and 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 that has a power all its own. And we'll see what Merch has to say tomorrow if I can make it to that talk. Yeah. I'd like to see what else he has to say. But uh, I. I I was very impressed with some earlier interviews I'd heard from him where he really gets into this social history very, very nicely. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to that. So I think what we need to do is wind up here so we can get a good seat. Uh, I really want to go see uh, Seth Breedlove's new movie. And uh, I had a chance to chat with him. He's going to probably come on the show pretty soon so we can talk about that, hopefully before October. (laughs) Because October is Halloween. (laughs) Turns out. Or as I like to call it, the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, remember, I think I've said before that every day's Halloween and Monster Talk, right? Oh, yeah. So, all right. We will get back with you later. Stay tuned. Monster Talk. All right. We're back for day two of Day Cryptid two of, of CryptidCon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're about halfway through. I think both of us are probably going to head out a little early. Uh, just have real world concerns of such and sundry, but we've seen a fair number of things. Yeah. Um, so our Bigfoot hunt last night. We're going to give you a blow by blow account. It's going to be a long, complicated blow by blow account of how the Bigfoot hunt went last night. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it got canceled. And, and there was a lot of rain. There was rain, and actually there was a tornado watch. So yeah. I mean, they obviously did the right the right thing. And in fact, uh, Blake was able to go on was was able to go on because he's a speaker. Uh, they're refunding the people like myself that that paid, so that part's being refunded. Um, yeah, that was. I mean, they so handled it very professionally. I, but, yeah. Honestly, I'm kind of of the mentality of like, y- you know, things happen, and you just sometimes suck it up. And they're like, no, 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 we're gonna we're gonna make it uh, yeah. better. So I I find that to be just fine. No, then this is so. This is the second year they've had CryptidCon. Uh, and, they, they did go hunt last year. Yeah, and I, we didn't get to do it last year. Uh, I, I signed. I, I got involved too late, uh, um, but uh, was certainly interested. Now, obviously, I could just go out in the woods and look for Bigfoot, but uh, and and the the property they were looking at was we will not, keep that. We yeah. will keep that. Yeah, but shh, 
Never yeah. you mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't you worry about where it was at. Yeah, so that's that's not ours to sell. So, <laughs> but uh, there are lots of forests in Georgia where people claim to see Bigfoot. Yes. So yeah, uh, many of which I spend time in. So I yeah. I'll keep keep searching. But in the meantime. Uh, We've had a good time. Oh, I've yeah. had a very we good time. Went to the, you, uh, we so. went to the uh, the after party. That's which, right. Which went quite late. Yeah. Um, good DJ. Uh, it was inside this year because of the rain. Yeah. I get the feeling it was going to be anyway. Yeah. I kind of do. Because the, the plaza, the, we're, we're at the... Oh, cap, that's right. The Capitol Hotel. Capitol Cla- plaza, plaza Hotel. Plaza Capitol Hotel, yeah. which is uh, formerly adjacent to the big government building here. Which is now being yeah. rebuilt. Right. Re- well, it's, it's, it's been ruined. It's a pile it's of rubble. It looks yeah. like Godzilla like, took a nap on it. Yeah. But so. it's um, – so I, I think that wasn't an option. And actually, I think it worked better in a lot of ways. That other space was weird and – I mean, it was weird and haunted and desolate. But, you know, as much as that might be useful for some of the activities at this con- this convention, uh, the after party, you don't really want that ambiance. Yeah, uh, it, but it was great. Uh, so I know some of the people who are listening were actually here at the con. Yeah, absolutely. Came up, so that was great. We had several people come up and talk to me. Uh, a lot of the vendors listened to the show, and that was fantastic. Yes. Yeah, so. yeah and a lot of listeners of the show. And then also, uh, I had a, a number of people who had brought their copies of Spooky Archaeology with them, uh, hoping that I'd be here to sign it, which, which was, was very amazing. Cool. Yeah. It was so nice to meet some of these people and, and, and have the, you know, the impact and, and see it right in front of you. And, and I don't want to get into specifics with people, but yeah, that was really great to see you all there. So I've had that was really nice. multiple people tell me monster talk changed their life, which I thought was really cool. I mean, that's, I mean, in a good way, they did not like it ruined their life, but improved their life. Yeah. We, we, we don't, we don't hear from those people. We don't hear from those people. Like, thankfully. If monster talks ruined your life, just um, don't find us. Yeah. Don't contact mysterious universe and oh, let them know. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, but, uh, uh, let's see. So we we talked about the merch. Tables. Yeah, the merch tables were great. I, yeah. I, I'm, so I'm actually I I'm not promising anything, but I'm I'm going to attempt to work with some of these merchandise people to make some of their products available through the Monster Truck website because I know a lot of you like me love monsters and love monster products, and there were some fantastic uh, custom art pieces and. Uh, T-shirts and uh, stickers, mugs, and I mean all kinds of things. And it wasn't just you know I love Bigfoot or I saw Bigfoot. It was all kinds of cryptids. Uh, yeah. I mean, even really obscure ones seem to have representation here in delightful ways that I wasn't oh, yeah. expecting. So. Yeah, and and so then we we saw some talks. Yes. Uh, we uh, well we, we recorded what about midday yesterday. Yes. So well, let's get into one big thing we saw. Or do you want to see if there's any like. Like, sort of smaller bits before we get into... Well, we should talk about who was here. All right. David Polites? Polites or Polites, yeah. yeah so. uh, we went to a bit of his talk. It was yeah. pretty sold out. Yeah. And uh, some of it, a lot of it were things I've heard from him. Right. So. I've watched his documentary before. Yeah, so we were trying yeah. to move around right. and, and see different things. So if it was something that was like, ah, this is sold out and it's kind of a hot room. But his, his topic is, if, you haven't, if you're not familiar with this, Missing 411 wherein he looks at cases where people have gone missing in the wild, typically in America, uh, and then talks about how uh, that they're missing. He doesn't seem to say what the, the, uh, the underlying root cause is, and I suspect it would be different things in different cases. Though it, originally people tried to say he was saying it was Bigfoot because prior to that, Politis had, had worked on a number of things involving Pacific Northwest Bigfoot, like the Valley of the Skookum yeah. and, and other things. Along I would say a lot of the culture that's grown up around his products, his books and, <clears throat> and series, um, have been pretty conspiratorial in nature. 
so it's yes. uh, is the DNR that is the Department of Natural Resources is the Department of the Interior hiding the secret you know that sort of thing. And then another talk we went to, and I think what we'll do is we'll leave because there's two that co- that go together as one large okay. story. Uh, but one we saw this morning uh, by Robert Murch uh, on uh, talking boards. Now uh, you also know them as Ouija boards or, or which some boards, of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah but Ouija is a, a copyrighted term. It doesn't mean you can't use it, but there's a larger universe of these talking boards and their history. And uh, so Merch is involved with a historical society that uh, wants to honor the people involved. And it's really cool. And I had heard him talk uh, online before, and he didn't disappoint. Apparently, he goes to a lot. I didn't realize this. This may be a thing, especially after the Ouija movies. Yeah. He goes to a lot of paranormal conferences. Right. Uh, a friend of mine who's in this world but not in this world is like, oh, I know who that is. Um, but he lives out in O'Karen and he lives in Denver. And, yeah. And so we, I reached out to him, so we'll probably be having him on the show. Yeah. So. He, he was really great. And, and he talked about how a lot of these ideas about, uh, Ouija, uh, or talking boards don't really have a lot of history. And in fact, a lot of them would kind of fall into the category you've been working on. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about, that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, consciousness, philosophy, UFOs, ghosts, or say Bigfoot. So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost, and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars. Eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing, and I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audiobook. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand and probably won't understand. That's our whole show. (laughs) So join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. Yeah, no, he made very clear case that the the motion picture industry seems to be driving a lot of the narrative around around Ouija boards, which I I told him. Actually, he already knew about it. He had actually he was already listening to Monster Talk. So oh. he knew the term where I talk about how monster movies drive the cryptid lore, and I call them scripteds because. So he was aware of that. See, I, I wasn't there. Yeah, when you're talking he, about he said he was aware of it, and that he had been wanting to figure out a way to use something like that for Ouija That's words. That's fantastic. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, he called them Ouijastitions. Uh, we, we yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so that was really enlightening. I mean, I had heard what he had said today, but a lot of it I hadn't. And also seeing a lot of his relationship to media, because as he points out, on the one hand, he's in essence chronicling almost with a sort of, this isn't really real eye on these things coming from media. But then he is involved in those because he has become the go-to guy, unsurprisingly. Um, I took a picture of his video where he's showing off doesn't entirely capture how much of a room in his house or his, ba- is his basement is just filled with hundreds of talking boards. Yeah, it's and a I beautiful it, collection. I sent it to a friend of yeah. mine who's uh, not entirely okay with them, and I'm like, I'm, I'm so sorry, but uh, imagine this room. 
Uh, it is a beautiful collection. A lot of people are very scared. I think he he made yeah. it. He was very clear about that. He did make. So I haven't really interviewed him or anything, but he, he seemed like he had a very rational approach to all this. Well, you know, so, so that actually was a, a question that came up. Uh, we were talking to some of the people we yeah. met here. Uh, so first of all, there were some questions where he's going on about this is all cultural and historical and how is this interaction. And then, I mean, not to denigrate, but literally one of the immediate questions was, was, well, so are you talking to the dead through a Ouija board? And it's just like, okay, he literally. He literally just said, He no. literally just said it's way more complicated than that, except <laughs> yeah, almost yeah, certainly yeah. it's not that. Right. Um, that it comes from you, whether whether that means one thing or the other. So that leads into we were talking to some. I think he was poetically dancing around it to leave people's imaginations open. Well, and I think, so, that's, yeah. <laughs> I think that's the thing. So one of these things, and I think this ties nicely, actually, into what we're about to talk about, um, is that some of these notions like thought forms and total buzz and co-creation. Can you don't hear my eyes rolling? Okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, people seem to be pretty... I think people even outside this world seem to be very sympathetic to some of those ideas because I think a lot of people, especially in the creative arts, are really happy or really, they love the idea that something that the human mind and the human will created could have a life of its own. Because of course, one could argue that's a metaphor for any number of things that we do. You write a book, you create a song, you tell a joke, and it has an agency beyond you. It survives you. And then, of course, never minding that we create little biological versions of ourselves. It's just a somewhat messier process uh, when it's we, a fun we one. produce. <laughs> uh, small parts of it are. But, um, but nonetheless, I think there's a lot of love for this sort of notion of the power of, of human creation. Oh, clearly, yeah. But... It, I think some people can metaphorically dance and say, well, maybe there's something more extra physical to it, or I'm just using it as a metaphor. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not even saying he was necessarily doing that. Um, but I think a lot of, I think that's a lot of creative people do. And that, and that does allow some wiggle room. Like, you know, as he was pointing out, the idea motor, um, uh, phenomenon effect, uh, yeah, effect. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, involve your subconscious doing things that you don't entirely understand. So right. you're you're in a relationship with yourself you don't entirely understand. And I thought that was a very interesting kind of way of uh, pointing that out. Yeah, he, I don't think he mentioned that, but water witching is effectively the same. He did not mention dowsing, but it's yeah, the same yeah, issue. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so you know, we, we we do these things. I mean, there is materiality. There is body. Uh, these are these are not not part of the human experience. Yeah. Um, so that, I think, leads us to, we saw two other things. We saw last night a film screening. Right. I don't know if that was a premiere. It, it was a, one of a series of sneak peeks. Okay. Because uh, the film actually premieres in October. And this is, I believe it's the Bray Road Beast. I think so, I'm yes. I'm going to get my DVD copy. Yes. You can hear me rustling in my bag. Yeah, so. This is uh, uh, Seth Breedlove's uh, Small Town Monsters. Yes. I uh, talked to the Seth. Bray Road the, Beast. Yes. Yeah, the Bray Road Beast. And uh, it's his newest film. It's coming uh, out in October. I'd heard a couple of interviews, and he talked about being heavily influenced by Hammer. Certainly, Did the, you see that? I saw that in the intro. But I think once the, the show moved forward, it, it seemed more like a traditional uh, Small Town Monsters narrative. A little less focus on the history of the, the town. towns. Because there isn't one town. There isn't one town. Yeah. Um, it's not like Point Pleasant. Yeah. It's not like Minerva. This was almost... Almost entirely uh, about the thing. About uh, well, it's about the monster, but it's a. Uh, but um, I'm losing my mind. Uh, Linda Godfrey. Linda Godfrey, who we yeah, saw today. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get to that. So, um, um, I would say it's. Uh, there were parts. I've watched most of. I don't know if all. I don't think I've seen the Flatwoods. Um, yeah. I have not seen the Flatwoods, but most of the small town monsters. Um, 
they often have a very languid pace at places in yeah. terms of in terms of, and it does it works. Yeah. I'm not sure it works for everyone. This one had less of that. There were a few of those kind of signature like long drone. I yeah. think they're drones. It's a, long drone shots yep. and so on. Uh, but much less. Yeah, it was narrated by Lyle Blackburn again. Yes. Their their partnership is continuing. Yeah, uh, and I mean it's very professionally done. I think oh, yeah. what was interesting was um, uh, I I I guess what I need to do is get some feedback from people who aren't hardcore skeptics and see how they feel about it because uh, I've read about the Beast of Bray Road and the whole Dogman phenomena for so much time that I've sort of reached my own conclusions, and it was hard to get my suspension of disbelief last night. See, uh, I had a very different er- yeah, yeah, uh, response. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as listeners to this show, or Archaeological Fantasies, or anywhere else, uh, 15 Credibility Street, I've shown up, I occasionally, often, always, uh, talk about the paranormal unified field theory, the puffed, <clears throat> a sort of new form of, uh, not spiritualism per se, but a new, I arguably call it a new demonology. Oh, this movie was puffed in a can. Yeah. Uh, and in a good way. Uh, but yeah, very much. Not all of it, but a lot of it. And we've talked about on this show that I think the Dogman is a shibboleth. If you're talking about the Dogman, this is in essence a sign, a, a symbol that you are working Do I, in. Shibboleth. Do I need to beep that? No. I don't. <laughs> no. But, uh, yeah, for, wait, I want to just explain that, Eric, because uh, for our listeners, uh, shibboleth is... You may you know a modern term people use now dog whistle. It's it's a way it's a, it's a term that it's gives, an in community term. Right, it's an in community term that gives you it shows membership within a culture. So it comes from a Bible story where yes. I guess the literally the word shibboleth was difficult for one tribe to pronounce, and so if they used the word and they didn't pronounce it correctly, you knew that they were an outsider. Yes. So yeah, yeah. and so in this mm-hmm. case, mm-hmm. that the. The Dogman really is one of these major sort of flags that you're dealing with um, a very paranormal, I would argue to some degree parapsychological in aspects. Um, Skinwalker is very much related to that. In fact, a lot of people try to equate the two, and we saw that today. Um, But if you say Skinwalker, it's the same sort of thing. Yeah. Because it doesn't just mean, that originally comes from traditionally Diné as a Diné witch, but you say Skinwalker somebody today, it also involves UFOs, it also involves weirdness, it also involves uh, paranormal. Thanks to George Knapp. Yeah, and so... And Bigelow. That is not all of that. Well, UFOs got mentioned very briefly in the film, but it's very much an occult thing. Right. No, it was quite literal. So part of the narrative... And we maybe want to not give everything. Yeah, away. I don't want to spoil it, right? In fact, you're right. because I, It's a movie that can actually be spoiled, weirdly enough. Yeah, yeah. So so part of the narrative involves the question uh, about the cause of certain animal mutilations. So uh, if you already know anything about animal mutilations, I know we haven't covered it on the show very deeply, but you'll get the idea of where this is leading to. And, yeah. it's, and one of the questions is, uh, I think, from a is the entire culture of cryptozoology tending towards... Uh, a re-enchantment. We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. And is our culture in the United States tending towards another satanic panic? Uh, I, think, yeah. I think we're already there. Yeah, I think I think it's possible. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, so I, I don't want to be like I, the this single documentary is not the linchpin upon which that. Oh, no. So, but I just I but do I think was, it's indicative. So yeah. while while while, yeah. while Blake was like, I have thoughts about this. I have thoughts about that. I was jumping up and down with excitement in the yeah. back of the room because it was a very full room and it was hot. It was very um, hot. It was very humid. It and, was very full. Yeah. And, but I was like, oh, and, and there's a moment. When you see the film, you'll know the moment. I don't want to tell you the moment. 
when an image flashes on screen and you can imagine me having to stifle just like cackling with glee where I'm like, everything, everything, everything I'm saying. Jim had a nerdgasm. Yep. Yeah, just, just a bit. Um, uh, but uh, but no, we, we, we watched the film, enjoyed it. I bought it. I definitely going to show it to some friends. And Linda Godfrey was there. Seth Breedlove was there. Yep. Linda Godfrey was there to, to introduce it. And then this morning she spoke, or this early afternoon she spoke, uh, it was this morning, as well. Uh, and we were in attendance for that. Right. And a lot of the theme, now much of it was stuff I had heard, I've read of hers. I've read several of her books. Um, there was some new stuff there, absolutely. A lot of the same themes absolutely came over, even more so. Yes. I would say surprisingly almost i would say to some degree uh, i was surprised yeah because yeah, so. linda godfrey has she's very much held on to uh, trying to argue that some of these things are uh natural hybrid, potentially hybrid natural yeah, animals yeah. animals have evolved but then not today there are parts uh yeah. and again a lot of stuff i've read of hers before that are very clearly geomancy that are very clearly like attempts to tie um landforms uh, indigenous sites uh, into into these things and and other aspects and things that go beyond and again don't want to spoil some of this because it's actually parts of the film and and, and, and I do hope it. to have Linda on the show yeah, yeah. so yeah. Um, but it was just interesting because she'd said most of it but I think seeing and hearing all of it as one piece and a certain way she emphasized it was and I think maybe she would argue well I'm not saying it's this or that because she gives all these explanations right but there was a lot of not volume, loud volume, but but time volume on a number of things that, again, are tying into this this whole notion of, of a kind of larger paranormal world. Yeah. Uh, that the Dogman is, is sort of a generally malevolent uh, part of. Uh, there yes, are no, examples no, right, where right. it's not. There's but it's, zero cases where the Dogman rushes out and saves a child from an oncoming bus or anything like that. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a, it's, at a, you know, in the same way that Bigfoot's often viewed as a force of nature that's uh, maybe uh, a protective forest spirit. I've, I've seen a lot of that. Yeah. When I was talking to Linda this morning, and I don't want to spoil our interview if we get to sure. talk to her, but she basically told me that uh, she does not see Bigfoot as a force of good. She sees it as, as, uh, as perhaps, perhaps as dangerous, dangerous. as, as Dogman, which I found very interesting. She also uh, briefly told me about a Bigfoot encounter she had. Oh, we'll talk about that. So, a daylight one, yeah. We'll so that. I, uh, I'm. So, oh, yeah, yeah, I was there for that. Yeah, yeah. I so I think that. you were there. I, and I, up by that point, I, yeah. I, I will uh, say no more about that because I'd like to get her on the show and let her talk about that herself. So there's yeah. a, there's uh, Bob, Bob Gimlin. We were hoping to see him. Yeah. Uh, I think just due to you know health and other issues, he was not able to attend. He had just been, I think, at an international Bigfoot. Right, and the he was being honored. Yeah. So, and that was at Lauren Coleman's uh, museum in Maine, yeah. which I think is probably why Lauren wasn't here. So, uh, yeah, there was some overlap. He yeah, he, yeah. he said some things uh, yeah. about uh, there being some overlap issues, um, but um, we we couldn't get to every talk, and and there were some that we saw bits of. Uh, I saw Travis Walton around. Yeah, I think he may be talking right now. But yeah, he I, is. I saw so, I saw him around, and, and yeah. so on. He's and looking healthier than I expected. I mean, he's he's getting on up there. So yeah. Yeah, so, he's yeah. he looks like pretty much almost every picture other than the ones from the 1970s I've ever seen of him. Right. Yeah. yeah I think he's just kind of like hit like a solid yeah. good point. Yeah. 
So I so I don't think we talked about it yesterday because I believe we actually just talked before I gave my talk, right? I think that's true. I think uh, no, yours was in the morning. I think we had talked right after yours where we talked about your experiments. I mean, we can talk about it. You can find yeah, it I don't out. remember. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to make sure that I mentioned that uh, I, I we I did give a talk. Holy cow! It was a full room. Yeah. Uh, I was I was really impressed. I think it was well received. Yeah. It, I think the fact that you did so so maybe we didn't talk about this. So I don't um, remember talking about it. So let's yeah, well, let's talk. we'll figure it out yeah. uh, with the editing. But um but Blake uh, gave a talk on the Kelly Hopkinsville Goblin case from 1955. We must not have talked about this. Yeah. Um the Kelly Hopkinsville Goblin case from 1955 um in Kentucky. Right. Uh, and I called it Guns and Goblins. Yeah, the Kentucky which, Monster which Story, was which is yeah, accurate. Um, it's a very famous UFO case, although it ties into other stories of weird beasties in the Ohio River Valley that year in 1955. And I've done a little research on my end of it with the Loveland Frog and how it ties into the Evansville. But then you've been doing some actual straight up, uh, not necessarily field research, but repl- replicative right, research. Right, exactly. Uh, so uh, Forensic and, research. And I, I'll, uh, I, 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 so I actually, when we did a three-part coverage of, the, of the, this case... I mentioned that I was going to do an experiment. Well, you showed your results yesterday. Right, I did. I, I haven't published them, but I did show them to the group. You literally, you didn't bring them into the room, but which I I don't know how that would have gone. I think it would have been interesting. Yeah. But you literally had uh, some of the materials with you in your car. I do, right, yeah. So I have, I have. Uh, so here's what happened. One of the big questions about that case at the time. And if you've was, never heard this case, yeah. very simply put, UFO scene, small rural um, house, uh, 11 people, 1955, glowing creatures, gunshots at them, nothing happens, people scared out of their minds, uh, very famous UFO case. Yeah, that's pretty, yeah that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So the uh, Isabel Davis and Ted Blecker had written up uh, a really neat document, which is in the show notes for those episodes. Um, and one of the things that uh, Isabel was saying was that the skeptics at the time didn't believe that uh, that the people had shot through the screen window. Well, just as they had used screwdrivers or something to make right, holes. Yeah. Or to, a tobacco to, stick. To or, support yes, a story. Yeah. Right. So, like, now, it does seem peculiar since there were shells on the ground. Uh, why would you have shells on the ground and then take a stick and poke? I mean, just... Why not just go ahead and shoot through the window, sure. right? I mean, the guns were fired. The neighbors heard the guns going off. So yeah. so I don't know why that was a point of contention. But for some reason, it seemed that in the past 60-something years, nobody ever bothered to try to replicate this. And so uh, since I have literally every element needed, uh, I was able to get a screen window and a 20-gauge shotgun and a 22 pistol and shoot it up. And uh, I took measurements and I took a video of myself shooting the screen and uh, it to me, it looks a uh, spoiler alert, but I will be writing this up formally. But it, it looked to me as though everything in that report was consistent with firing a 20 gauge shotgun through a window. I think a lot of people, when they think shotgun, because they know it goes everywhere, they think it's a blow up giant yeah, yeah. hole. And the hole was like two inches. Yeah, yeah. In, in, uh, in the original and in what you right, found. Right, right. Yeah, I don't, so, think any, I don't think the, the 22 bullets were bothering anybody, but the. Right. I think everybody is. Some people speculate like, that. wouldn't do that. Right, yeah. so much yeah. more damaging. It would, exactly, exactly. Turns and out that's not so much the case. Yeah. From uh, approximately the same distance. And I got the video. I mean, it's really yeah. kind of neat. I mean, the only thing, if I could do it all over again, uh, which I, I could, but it's tedious, uh, I would dress differently because I look like a big idiot standing out there in my, my crappy old paint and shorts. And ah. t- yes, I got. 
That seemed fine to me. Well, it's... it's I mean, you're going to get your tweeds on it? It's all, well, yeah. I should have like a hunting vest. Yeah. and a, you got, you got elephant guns. So. You know, or if I, or overalls. It's like... Well, see, now that way, then you're kind that of... That might be look like mocking. No, I think, I, think, yeah, I, so, I, I think you need to go the... Uh, I think you need to go the... Uh, intrepid... Uh, yeah, uh, great, great... Pith helmet, uh, yeah. Great UFO hunter. Um, anyway, that was interesting. And then, uh, so that was confirmed. Uh, at least, uh, I found that my experiment was comported with what they reported. So now you need to get yourself some owls. Yeah. Well, the, that's the other thing. It was um, They had reported that the owls glowed silver. And uh, this is a mysterious quality uh, that nobody's really been well, able to explain. Well, the aliens glowed silver. But, well, the aliens, sorry. Yeah. The, 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 the critters, whatever they yeah. were, the goblins. And while I was looking for uh, some video, I found video of uh, people uh, in the color film or color video uh, looking at an owl in a tree, and as they flash their flashlight onto the owl, it glows gray. It glows yeah. silver, yeah. and so I was able to show that. So uh, I felt like a couple of elements that had been really mysterious were pretty easily explained. And so it yeah. was interesting to me. Yeah. Now, obviously, I think some people were there just simply because they listened to the show, yeah, and so they wanted to hear you. So uh, and and hear a, a more skeptical perspective on some of these things. I do think, though, the fact that you did experimentation. Uh, got some of the questions going in that direction of... Because uh, I really do think that the... I mean, sometimes people just come with the question they want to ask. Yeah. And sometimes people will ask a question when they are angered or, or bothered by what they've heard. But I think a lot of times the, the presenter can sort of guide the kinds of questions. So the fact that you're talking about that, all the questions afterwards started being, well... So with the owls, how might we know if this was the case or not? They were great questions. Yeah, they were yeah. very epistemological. Yeah. Uh, they were very much, has there been experiments? What do we know about this? You know, they're flipping over. What could that mean? They get into ethology. Right. I mean, it was great. Right. Yeah, so. Whereas, you know, if somebody's talking a lot and they end on something particularly paranormal, the questions then followed. And I don't think it's just the topic. I think the, I think the you know, there is a relationship between the audience and the presenter and that can become antagonistic where if you say something that somebody in the audience does not like, we didn't get that with yours. Right. We, no, did, I was, we did hear yeah. some things like that today, but yeah. um, uh, we didn't get that with yours. Well, but otherwise, they will, it sort of, I think, tells the audience, well, this is what this person wants to talk about. Yeah. Like, this is how they, how they talk and this is what you're going to get out of them. So it guides them like, well, they would like this. Why don't I see if I can get this? Yeah. So my plan is to take my video and sort of wrap it up with a little intro and outro uh, and then uh, write up my findings. I'm not sure where I'm going to have them published, but I will be submitting them for publication because okay. I'd like to have that on the record. Yeah. I mean, not that my podcast is not some form of record, but it would be nice to actually have that out there yeah. uh, somewhere. Oh, I think it's a good idea. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. And and uh, there are other aspects of that case. And, and I've, I've been wanting to work on the Loveland Frog in some capacity. So maybe not in that, but maybe something else we might work on in some capacity to kind of tie all the sociological and historical elements together. Um, you also did some nifty work, uh, speaking of more physical, on the, you went and looked at the, the moon. Uh, oh, yeah, the moon phases. Yeah, I, I was, I don't believe I've seen this in the write-ups anywhere, but I went to see how dark it was. Now, I knew that the lighting at the scene was very limited. It was basically bare bulbs hanging out on what a minimal yeah. porch. Uh, but uh, what I didn't know was how dark was it that night. And so the I went and looked at a lunar calendar for 1955, and it was uh, just barely a new moon. It was like just a sliver. And this is a house out in the yeah. middle of nowhere. Eight it's miles not, from town. It's yeah, not yeah. part of a larger community. It would have been really dark. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I will uh, I'll put all this together. But basically, um, 
It was really dark. It took place over a significant amount of time, several hours, with increasing anxiety as their bullets did had no effect. Yeah. But they really were shooting out the window from what I could tell. The owl probably really did glow. Uh, yeah. This, the, I, All of this is consistent with what they reported. The only thing was, like, well, why didn't they have a body? Why? And I think they missed. I think shooting out into the dark when they were scared, they just failed to hit the owl. I'd know, be very curious. Yeah. They said that uh, yeah. it sounded like the uh, pellets were hitting metal. Yeah. I'd be very curious how much metal was around that house. I would be, too. Yeah, yeah. I kind of so. do wonder. I wonder if somebody has a truck out there. Yeah. That's not impossible. No. Um, but, yeah, they're... Yeah, I mean, there's there's things still to be. Oh, there's still mystery. That. I mean, I'm not saying it's solved. Yeah. I'm just saying that many of the elements that were, uh, I think, questionable about the owls' we, hypothesis uh, have been sort of confirmed. So. We learned from somebody in the audience that they had gone last year to. So it turns out the eclipse, the Great American Eclipse last year, was on the anniversary. I mean, I knew this at the time. Yeah. Of the Kelly Hopkins Hill Goblins, and the best form, of, the best place for totality was in fact. Uh, I think right there was it, it Kelly or yeah, Hopkinsville? It was in Hopkinsville, Hopkinsville. And the, but they had the little Green Man Festival there. Yeah, so yeah, they had so. a little Green Man, and so if you went to the website for Eclipse Town, which they were really pushing, they had the little Green Man all over it in various ways. It doesn't seem like that that carried over, according to this person, right? At the actual uh, thing, they were there, and he knew it, but it wasn't. It wasn't like all of a sudden there were ten thousand people there who were all obsessed with the. The Kelly Hoffman right. goblins. It was like, no, we're here for the eclipse. Oh, it's a thing. What? Huh? Yeah. You know. So it, it's I mean, not surprising. Yeah. It, 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 I think it's still an important story from the history of ufology. And oh yeah. But but I don't think it's as well known. I just wondered yeah. if maybe they would take the opportunity and try to like you know piggyback it. And yeah. So it yeah. sounds like there was a little. There was of a little that, bit of crossover. But, but then at the end of the day, like people are coming here for the. Eclipse. And I'm going to actually walk back what I just said because while I did say I think a lot of people don't know it here at this convention. I saw numerous representations oh, yeah. in the art for yeah. the for the goblins. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's on it's on yeah. one of the official T-shirts. Yeah. Um, I saw miniatures. I saw oh, did you see the uh, the diorama that lit up with the eyes? Oh, that was lovely. Gosh, that's yeah, that very, very cool lovely. stuff. Uh, there was that little little squatty squatty one there. Yep. yep. Um, yeah, no, it, there was there was quite a bit of that. I mean, it's a very fun character. Yeah, and it's a very fun convention. So I mean, we probably need to wrap up because I gotta drive. Yeah. But uh, I, again, this is my second year here. I loved it. So, yeah. and I want to thank everybody who came out. And, yeah, you know, people so. who came out to meet us, yeah. and, and and that was fantastic. We'll see if see if we do it again. Yeah, uh, maybe see what ways to expand upon this might be. Very cool. Well, thank you for joining me here, Jeff. It was a lot more fun thank having you around. Thank you for joining me here. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we, we did not brave the wilds uh, with the Bigfoot hunt. But uh, other than that, we braved the, the something, uh, the wilds of uh, Cryptid Con. Yeah. And so. uh, found some fantastic food. On the and, track of uh, Bigfoot hunters. Yeah. Yes. In search of us. Uh, so, yeah. All, All right. right. Thank you very much. All right. See you guys. Monster Talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith, and today you heard me talking with Jeb Card about our experiences at CryptidCon 2018. You'll hear more about my research when I get my findings submitted for publication and when I get the video out of the public presentation that I gave. Monster Talk is an official podcast of Skeptic Magazine. The views expressed here are those of myself and my guests and don't necessarily reflect the opinions of Skeptic Magazine or the Skeptic Society. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Talk. 
Each episode, we strive to bring you the best in monster-related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation. If you enjoy Monster Talk, we now have a variety of ways to support the show, all with convenient links at monstertalk.org forward slash support. That's monstertalk.org forward slash support. There we have links to our Patreon pages as well as a donation button. A great way to support the show is to buy us books from our Amazon Monster Talk wish list, which directly helps us with our research. We love used books very much, so don't feel compelled to buy new ones. And we love Kindle, and we can share our digital library with each other. Finally, without spending any money at all, you can support us by leaving a positive review at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews help keep us visible in iTunes, which is a great way to help us find new listeners. And please, share our show on your favorite social media platforms. Save the date for a colossal PsyCon 2018. Bigger venue, bigger stars, bigger ideas, bigger fun. Las Vegas, October the 18th to the 21st, 2018. PsyCon is already one of the planet's premier skeptical conferences where hundreds of critical thinkers come to Las Vegas, the city of illusions, to hear from the leading lights of science and skepticism. For 2018, we want PsyCon to be bigger than ever. We've even booked a bigger hotel. Come to Las Vegas at the Westgate Resort and Casino to see the brilliant and hilarious Stephen Fry on stage with Richard Dawkins. An opening night talk by Stephen Pinker on the ideas behind his new book, Enlightenment Now. The triumphant return of James the Amazing Randy. Plus, New York Times science writer Carl Zimmer, psychologist and memetics expert Susan Blackmore, the Cybabe Yvette Dontremont, virologist and advocate for science-based medicine Paul Offit, and many, many more, along with comic musician George Rubb, serving as Master of Ceremonies, a magic show from Banachek, author book signings, and of course, a Halloween costume party. It's true, conspiracy theorists, quacks peddling fake medicine, and the deniers of evolution, climate change, and vaccine science are bigger threats than ever. With PsyCon 2018, let's show them that they have just met their match. We'll see you in Las Vegas. For more information and to book your tickets, visit csiconference.org. That's psiconference.org. Monster Talk theme music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys. As always, thanks again for listening.
Did you know that you can now subscribe to Skeptic Magazine digitally? Just grab our free Skeptic Magazine app, currently compatible with iOS, Android, PC, Mac, Kindle Fire, Kindle Fire HD, and BlackBerry Playbook. Head over to skeptic.com slash magazine slash app to find out more and download more of your favorite Skeptic content. Yeah, we're all good. I'm going to put this here uh, like that. It looks like a. It looks like a very. It looks like a very short R two D two mixed with uh, the beef eaters who guard the uh, Buckingham Palace. Oh, the I thought it, the, like a. I was thinking more of sort of very uncomfortable plug, but yeah, yeah, basically. No, that's okay. So, <laughs> that'll be edited and out. <laughs> that's where the show begins. Uh, you can you can edit. You can keep it. Yeah, so, whatever.